0: You're listening to the Paul Higgins Show, the place for ambitious tech consultants scaling to live better. After 18 years as a global leader and having a successful tech consulting exit, I'm sharing what's working now to transform emerging tech consultants worldwide into trusted consultants that attract the best clients and deliver measurable results. When you're ready to level up your clarity, results, and freedom, begin with the free strategic profits blueprint available at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint. Imagine you were two months in the red and you're about to lose your business, but even worse, potentially your house could be on the line. How do you turn it around while keeping sane? Hello, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to my podcast. This is the situation Brian faced and today he will take you through the three key things that he did to help turn it around. One, he introduced a brand new program called Support as a Service. Second, he went and got an executive coach to help them out of where they're at. And the third thing is they basically follow the EOS framework to step out of the business and get their team to do the things that they shouldn't have been doing. Brian Wilman is the managing partner at Tech Fino. He leads the NetSuite technical solutions and R&D practices for the business. He holds a master's degree in computer engineering from Drexel University, and he's a Six Sigma Greenbelt certified with a decade of experience building custom software solutions. He's also a proud mentor member, I should say, of the I. E-E-E, so I-Triple-E, Computer Society, and he's been doing that for the last 16 years. He gives you a very brilliant inside view of where he was and what he did to turn it around, which is very applicable. I'll now hand you over to Brian Wilman from techfino.com. Great to have you here, Brian. Great to be here, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, very excited to hear about your journey and your growth. Like I said in the intro, you know, you've know, you grown now uh, what, 266% in three years. That's a, a fantastic effort, but I know it wasn't always the case and we'll uh, dive into that in a moment, but why don't we kick off with who are your ideal clients and what problems you love to solve for them?
1: Sure. Our ideal client, I would say is an experienced buyer, someone who's bought an ERP software package before, appreciates you know the product's complexity and breadth and realizes there's no magic bullet. seems like everybody wants fast, easy, quick, and cheap these days. It's a very complex you know, system. The ERP enterprise is just spanning a, a wide swath of functionality and is not just accounting and finance, As you know, okay. I'd say it's also a buyer that has prior NetSuite experience or a private equity backed firm that's looking to grow quickly. Typically an RFP consultant driven process knows what they need and want okay. user count over 20. And from an industry perspective, we typically serve retail, wholesale, manufacturing, Different services companies, technology, software, nonprofit, media, and healthcare companies.
0: Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. And is there any, because, you know, we're recording this in September. I know this is going to come out in early 2024. So I wish we could give you a crystal ball on what the economy is going to be like, <laughs> but we can't. But to any particular industry or types of companies that are doing better than others at the moment when things are difficult?
1: Uh, well, one of the things that surprised me is that like we're seeing a lot more manufacturing coming into the US. So over the past two years, we've been seeing more, I'd say, an uptick in customers coming to us in the manufacturing space. That's not kind of what you're hearing on TV when you listen to Bloomberg and so forth. I'd say that that's probably the the most surprising thing from my perspective. Great. And and I know that
0: in the intro, or before we went away, you were talking about the fact that, you know, if someone's wants a really quick implementation and not ready or not willing to do the hard work, you sort of say, hey, we might not be the partner for you. That's Tell right. Us, has it always been that case or is that something that you've learned by doing?
1: Yeah, we can certainly move quick. You know, I don't say that. I'd say our firm's policy or you know, our mantra is really high quality. So we don't try to be the cheapest or the fastest. We typically try to be the best quality, especially when it comes to accounting and finance. Usually that's the most important thing when you're trying to do something very quick and complex kind of our mantra and we'll walk away from a deal when we feel the client is is going to be difficult to work with unreasonable or doesn't really appreciate what they're going to need to do and what we're going to need and and is just expecting everything to work like like an ex- executable that they install on their computer it's just not that type of thing you know no no and i know we've certainly found
0: in the past working with with clients is that it's got to have, you know, the, the owner's buy-in. Like if the owner's not bought into it, well, no matter who under them wants it to happen, it, it won't be successful. So I think that owner uh, buy-in is so important. And um, some of the problems that they, they face, these manufacturing businesses in particular at the moment, what are some of the problems that you're solving
1: for? I'd say in general, clients come often looking to purchase NetSuite from us, either after outgrowing QuickBooks, or maybe you're working with an ERP software selection type of firm, often look to modernize their finance and accounting software stack, expand globally, and needing that single integrated suite of applications to streamline processes between operations and finance and get better real-time visibility into those functions. We often see the need to implement additional modules and third-party solutions outside of the ERP module, such as CRM, HR, e-commerce, inventory management, supply chain, and warehouse operations, as well as change management and other systems integrations, we see a lot of that in our space.
0: Yeah. And uh, just quickly on the AI piece of NetSuite. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently seeing and, and you know, give us a bit of a forecast of what you think is going to happen around AI with NetSuite.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Very timely. Uh, I'm actually quite, quite excited to go to Suite World this year. I go every year pretty much, uh, the know, the owner of the firm. And we tend to bring our team there and it's a great camaraderie and we get to learn about the product and so forth. And I think for the past you know, two years or so, we've been hearing about AI and now you're seeing it in like everywhere and Oracle is just dumping a fortune into the product. So I'm expecting to see some real tangible AI at the conference. They haven't really revealed too much about it. So I really can't say. I'm sure there's going to be a number of areas that will definitely benefit from that to save time and especially a lot of things where you're using robot automation and so forth manual entry of things i'm sure they're going to have solutions for that yeah and i think one of the key things i know
0: like i haven't self been a partner since 2019 but what i always looked for when i was in corporate was you know are they putting their best people against the activities that really matter for you if you you know listening to uh brian and myself is you know is your platform got the best people and have they got dedicated people against AI? And I think if they haven't, well then, you know, get the partners together to to get that to happen. Because I think often, yes, they say follow the money, but it's follow the best people, right? And follow the people in the way that they've structured it to do it. I think next year, 2024 is going to be brilliant for for the platforms and a lot of stuff that comes out of that. Let's shift gears a little. So as I said, you've grown, you know, 266% in three years, but there was a point where things weren't great. And, um, you told me at at one point you'd uh, a significant amount of money in the red after two consecutive months and didn't really realize how close you were to, to shutting the door down. Take us to that situation and, uh, cause it. And, you know, how did you get out of that?
1: Sure. Um, well, it kind of stemmed from our change in direction Forget what year it was now thinking about it, uh, it was 2018 or 2019. We were basically the first NetSuite partner to develop and offer a software as a service offering. And the idea came from our mentor. And then that offering really was geared around sort of serving the customer, make sure we focus on that long tail of the customer journey, optimizing their system and their business and their processes long after purchasing the license. I think a lot of the partners in the ecosystem tend to really focus on sales and may not maintain quality and so forth. So we've always been that type of. You know, partner that wanted to really focus on making sure customers getting the ROI and this you know, expensive investment into NetSuite. So in that vein, we were basically changing our business model. And as a result, didn't realize all the messes we were creating in our business where invoices weren't going out on time. We weren't seeing that we weren't charging the right amount of money. We were just making lots of mistakes as we were trying to change very quickly. We thought we were more nimble and agile than we really were as a smaller company. So that realization that even though we're helping customers with their finance and accounting function get better visibility into the business, we did a, a poor job at it ourselves, and realized that okay, yeah, you know, we got to do a way better job here. So we got more focus. We brought in a controller to help us from the accounting side with cash flow management and so forth. He was amazing, really big help. We also basically changed our approach of you know, having me do everything and started putting managers below me for the first time right after that. And that really helped too. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the change in business model, right? I think, you know, we'll, and we'll dive a little bit more into what support as a service is and how you do it. But take us to that moment where your mentor suggested it. Was it something that you instantly thought, yes, that's that's great? Or is it something that you and your business partner, you know, took a bit of time to to get your head around?
1: At first, it was you know hard to kind of imagine what that would do for our business and for our clients and how it would be received. Did need a little bit of sort of you know pulling into that vision, but once we were there, we were like, okay, yeah, we see this. We realized the value of having this sort of team approach that brings in the right experts at the right time to help clients. You know, a lot of times they don't realize what they need until after we're live, and they're like, hey, we need somebody to help us as an admin. Can't hire somebody or you know, a lot of times it's a realization that we need more help than we thought we would, you know, having that team approach and very much structured into supporting, you know, the chaos that you typically see in an enterprise after implementing a new ERP system. I think that's been, you know, really instrumental. Changing our model was really changing like a lot of our business processes, our accounting system to, to support that. And then we started to really lean on more of our managers and ask for help when we realized, you know, hey, we're, you know, we need help here. We're we're making mistakes, and you know, we start to delegate more and and really bring in more of our team for help at that point.
0: Right, and and the mentor were they someone within the industry that they'd seen something like this before? You know, yes. a, not Netsuite, but the general industry, or were they someone from outside of the industry?
1: Yes, they were somebody from inside the industry, kind of seeing that this was something that Netsuite was starting to really consider for their partners and so forth. So he helped us kind of see that a little bit ahead of maybe the other partners. So that gave us a little bit of a jump start, knowing that this was something that Netsuite was starting to encourage partners to come into.
0: Right. And just take us through what is software as a service in in, in the way that you've structured it. How was it at the start and you know how is it structured now?
1: Um and our support as a service, I'll call it oh, sorry, say the, support. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No worries. Uh, in the support as a service model, ours, you know, we still charge by the hour essentially, but we charge you know, a reduced rate because what we're looking to do is really set up the right support, you know, have the right number of hours, the right dedication from our side to support that client. So if we get that, we're happy to give a discount in that case. And then we basically, you know, every month, are working on the most important things with the business, providing weekly reports, when we first onboard the customer, we really go into all of their business processes. If we didn't implement NetSuite for them, we really do a, you know, a good job kind of doing a baseline assessment and then replaying back to the business owners. You know, Here's what we've gathered and what we've understood to make sure we are able to really understand their business and support them. When you work with us, it's a dedicated team, people that have worked with you before. You get to know them by name. You can call us. So that type of partnership has really been, has been really great. And we also will use the customer systems if they have their own project management tool that they'd like to use or other systems that they'd like to bring us into. We're happy to get closer to them as a managed service partner. And they can bring us in to work on other areas, even outside of NetSuite, where typically NetSuite support team wouldn't really go beyond the boundaries of the NetSuite application. We're more than happy to, to do that in certain cases. So we also do things such as Soligo and Dell Boomi and those type of you know, integration platforms. We're happy to support those as well.
0: Right. And uh, what's the typical length of the contract? Well, sorry, firstly, is there a contract? And if there is a contract, how, how long does it normally
1: go for? Sure. So we typically do three month contracts to start. And then eventually we look for that annual contract once we get to a good steady state. Sometimes clients come and we don't really know how many hours they're going to need or they don't know. And, you know, we miss the mark. So we have the ability to scale up and down, you know, every three months if you'd like, or we can go with a, a longer term annual contract to fit within your budget.
0: Right. and And do you sell it? For a, a new implementation client, do you sell the support as a service, at, you know, the start, is it included in the total package or do you sell it after the implementation is successful?
1: Excellent question. I would love if we were selling it part of the implementation. Unfortunately, today we're, we're doing it more at the tail end and sometimes you know, the, it comes as more of a surprise than it, than it should. So I think we're getting better about now really importing this more into the front end of the process and making clients aware that this is our offering and, and what we can support you with. Uh, you don't need to sign up right away, but at least getting them educated about it is something that we've done. But then sometimes it's kind of the surprise oh, we're going live next month. We need the support, you know, and okay, we have to kind of, it, it may be a lot at, at the same time all happening, right? We're trying to do that a better job selling it with the, the implementation. Yeah. And
0: as far as the share of your total revenue, how much would it account for as the, the share of the total revenue at the moment.
1: yeah I think the industry average is around fourteen percent for partners that basically do what we do and and we're well above that. I think we're about twenty to twenty one percent is sort of our recurring revenue. yeah great yeah look it's uh, it's
0: fantastic. I know that when we sold our tech consulting business the recurring revenue component was you know the the key that got that multiple up uh, a lot higher <laughs> plus the systems that we have in place. so yeah you know I'm a huge proponent of uh, getting as much recurring revenue. In the business, as uh, possible, it gives you uh, more certainty to make better investment decisions, and uh, it work, works well all the way around. Now, the other part of the business that you said you've got some help, so you know the mentor gave you the great idea and helped you implement it, which is fantastic. The other part, I know that you, from an operating model, you've uh, gone and got someone to help you with the uh, EOS model, which uh, most most of you be familiar with. So, just tell us a little bit about that journey. What why did you decide to go find someone for eos and uh, then walk us through you know some of the benefits you've gained from that
1: yeah so i think um in the last year or so i realized just there was some transformation that needed to happen in our firm and really get better at leading as as an executive as i started to move out of the business my business partner and i both finally were i'll say out of the business after over eight years it took us a long time to get to that state but then once we got there we realized we need to work on ourselves. Um, and also to really add more value to the company, and take it to that next level. So that's really where that came from. Um, and I'd also say as a part of that, when we found our executive coach, it was you know sort of a, a great aha, a, a big unlock, I'll say too, where there was a lot of things really quickly where we saw a lot of value from that um, and learned a lot very quickly. EOS being that first tool that was really implemented. And we read the book, Traction. And then we read the book, you know, How to Be a Great Boss was the other one. And then there was Rocket Fuel, which was yes. a, a great one that helped me realize, okay, you have the visionary and you have the integrator. And I think both me and my partner, after reading that, realized that we were both visionaries instead yeah, of yeah, you know well, one of us being the integrator. And yes. I've kind of served as mostly the integrator, but not. I don't like to be the integrator, but I yeah. have been. so. That's where, like, I think a lot of the angst and and arguments and and trouble we had. So we had an assessment come in, and they said, you know, you guys have a lot of aim and a little fire here. It's always been true. So EOS is helping us get better traction, realizing what our goals are, and then keeping them front and center throughout the the quarter, and then throughout the year.
0: Yeah, and and if you look at the the methodology, you know, how much of it is you doing it by the book? i.e. a hundred percent versus at whatever percent you're actually implementing and how close are you to you know following the letter of the law
1: very good question i'd say we haven't fully implemented eos yet of the tools that we've implemented you know we've kind of made them we've taken bits and pieces to make it ours i'd say out of like you know the level 10 meeting for leadership for example i'd say we adopted about 90% of that and so we may extend the the meeting a little bit more to get closer to that 100% next year but as of this year i'd say we're you know about 90% on that particular tool the VTO and other tools that we've implemented, not as much, maybe like 70%. And then this year we're gonna do our first like annual leadership retreat in January, which we're all looking forward to. So we'll basically get closer and closer to implementing, you know, a good 90% of what a US has. Yeah, brilliant.
0: Yeah. And look, I think it's a great methodology. I think there's always, you know, the devil's in the in the not the detail in this point. It's more the fact that you make it it's better to have something that's consistent that you make of your own than try to follow it perfectly. And then it gets too complicated and then it falls over. Right. So I think, you know, that's the advice. If you're listening to, to Brian, I think the advice is make it your own. Don't, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent text perfect. It's more the yeah. fact that it's consistent and you make it your own. I think that's the most important uh, piece when uh, we've helped people in, implement a, a system like EOS. But it's always good to read the books and we'll have the links to the book in the both or three of the books that Brian mentioned in the the show notes. The last one is I know that you, you know, get some good leads from an inbound agency, which which is fantastic. But the other part that I wanted to briefly talk about is strategic partners. So some of your growth has come from working with strategic partners like accounting firms, et cetera. And I know that a lot of people struggle with this. They say, you know, it's fantastic. I'd love to have strategic partners, but they don't actually get meaningful leads out of it. So just tell us how are you getting meaningful meaningful leads out of these strategic partners?
1: Yeah, so I'd say um the the partner that we've worked with has been great, meaning they basically came from a sales background, learned the marketing on the job in order to get more leads for himself and then realized that formula, if you're familiar with the pillar page approach, that's kind of the I'd say the bedrock of our inbound marketing strategy. And what he's, you know, basically done this as uh, at another NetSuite partner, and and then basically offered that to us as a service, you know, has really helped us rank high on those keywords that people are looking for to purchase NetSuite.
0: Right. And and that's the the inbound, which is fantastic. What about the strategic partners though? I know you said you worked with yeah. some strategic so we, partners. Um,
1: we used to purchase a booth at Sweet World and we stopped doing that recently just because the ROI isn't there any longer. Yep. But I'd say the one lead that we got from our booth there was, you know, an accounting firm we met, and they basically, you know, were interviewing sixty different NetSuite partners to basically be their go-to partner for NetSuite because they were seeing NetSuite as kind of, it was typically between Microsoft and NetSuite in a lot of their software selections, and they're a real, you know, true uh, partner. Um, this is uh, SCNH. They've basically been a true neutral partner. They you know don't have a bias between which erp and so forth from which partner but they wanted to make sure they got the right partner which i was like really kind of you know happy to see and um they said you know we got down to eventually the last two partners and then they came on site and met me and my partner and and our our sales engineer and so forth and we did a bake off basically and we won because we were willing to talk and basically solve problems on the spot which they were seeing from some of the other partners that they were interviewing so that was kind of what took things our way. And they've basically ever since then brought us into that deal and, and and several others over the years. And then other partners that we've met have been the same way where they would give us, you know, maybe one project or one challenging implementation, we would turn it around or fix it. Um, we're, I, we're the other thing, we're the only partner that I'm aware of that's never had a failed NetSuite implementation, which is really hard to say. Um, and I'm pleased to say that, you know, that's the case. And so I think that's also the other thing is when you're kind of able to handle the, the hairiest, most complex enterprise uh, implementations like that, partners tend to come back to you. And that's been great for us. And I'd say, again, that probably alone is, you know, 20 to 30% of our revenue a year these days.
0: Yeah, I think it and it gets, you know, oh, I say to people who goes before you, who goes after you, I who's got your audience that you can partner with. and And it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, so not everyone can get strategic partnerships to work. But like you said, if it can become 30 percent of your mix, then it's, it's, a, it's a, you know it's a, a very cost-effective way of gaining new clients. and um, you know, I highly recommend it. I've got other episodes on it, so I won't uh, dive into it now, but. I, yeah.
1: I have you one know, more story, if you're interested on that topic just realized we're actually in the middle of purchasing another NetSuite practice from one of our strategic partners that we've worked with for over eight years. And so we had a great relationship with them. I can't release the name because you know the transaction yes. still hasn't happened. But essentially, we, we kept in touch, worked with them for many years, invited them to our Sweet World parties, always kind of wined and dined them just for fun uh, when we were there all together. Never thought anything would come out of it. And then I got the call you know, a couple months ago that, you know, hey, our, we're getting rid of our practice and we're getting a partner to sell to, uh, your name came to the top of the list. Uh, so yeah, I'd say very important to keep your networking relationships going, even though it's hard when you're trying to sell and hire and do all the things that, you know, we try to do in a services business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, the big leaps forward are made when you work on the business, not in it, right? And I think you, you're a great example of uh, you and your partner stepping out of the business and working on that. And that's where the, those results come. But now we're going to change gears. We're going to go into the rapid fire to round us off. So I'm going to ask you four questions. You're going to give me some responses. You ready for that? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Just before I do that, though, we're uh, talking to Brian Wilman. at the episode of the Paul Higgins podcast. So the first one is, what are some daily habits that you do to help drive techfino.com? Uh,
1: well, I use the, the big three goal system and a paper planner as well as an electronic planner to keep track of all my goals and answering problems nowadays with who, not how, realizing I need to delegate more and do less myself.
0: Yeah, love it. And uh, where do you go to find out more about how you grow TechFina?
1: Interesting enough, I stumbled across your site earlier this year when looking for sales help when we were kind of running into a rut there. I also have a friend that has a podcast, Brian Danis, called Cashflow, which I go to. Um, and in my uh, my first million, I don't know if you've heard of that podcast. I listen to that as well. So I get some inspiration from those sources. Thank you. Yeah, look, it's...
0: Uh... I know you're listening to Brian and I because, you know, you believe in podcasts and it is just a brilliant way to uh, uh, get, yeah. Like it just, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant time to, uh, to be thinking about growing your business and getting all that free advice that's out there. The third one is I could grant you one wish for TechFina. What would that be?
1: Uh, solve the age old problem with consulting, how to have the right size team to match the business need. It's always feast or famine it seems. Yeah, true. But the recurring revenue piece helps with that, right? It's, it, that does really help,
0: I will yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Support as a service, please go and implement that. And the last one is, what do you know now that you wish you had known earlier about running TechFino?
1: Oh, where do I start? <laughs> like I mentioned, I think the executive coach and the EOS system more recently has been a game changer. Prior to that, I'd say hiring the right management team especially for our offshore delivery teams that we have um, has really helped me to get out of the day-to-day so yeah i would say that's probably the the main ones
0: all right brilliant well uh well done for the 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 depths of despair when you guys realized you had a massive cash flow problem and it could have you know personally impacted you to now turning around the growth acquiring other businesses and setting up that uh, support as a service. So uh, well done for all of that. And thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge and wisdom today. So uh, great to have you on, Brian.
1: My pleasure. Thank you again, Paul. Best of luck.
0: That was a great interview with Brian and he really shared with you those three key things. And in particular, I think around getting some support. Off air, we spoke about how he was reluctant to do it. And a really good friend of his said to him, no, Brian, the opportunity cost of not getting someone to help you is enormous. And now, like he said, he's at, you know, 21% of his recurring revenue is now through that supporters of service. And I highly recommend you getting someone if you're stuck in your business, just like Brian was, but no longer is. Also, you can check out another EOS implementer who's part of our community. It's Daniel. You can go to episode 447, and he's both a Monday partner and an EOS implementer. And you can listen to that interview as well. Reach out to Brian on LinkedIn and share what you learned and share the episode cover. Love you for that. Also, share it with your peers, right? There's someone who might be stuck at the moment or is interested in really stepping up their business. This would be a great episode for them. Uh, Share it with them and they will think you're a rock star. Also, check out our solo shows. And finally, I'll see you next time on the Paul Higgins Podcast for more quick and simple ways to grow your tech consulting business. To live more of the life that you want now. Time for action! Subscribe, comment, and let me know what you like best about this episode. Plus, get the Strategic Profits Blueprint at paulhigginsmentoring.com/forward/slash/blueprint.